Hey, it's Jordan. I am here with Melissa Mays. You are a Flint resident, spoken with you many times. Uh, you were actually played uh, in the Lifetime movie, so you were uh, depicted along with others in the Flint water crisis. And uh, you've basically been fighting the fight. Now, unfortunately, I think we're about to hit five years uh, of this crisis. Maybe now that the uh, Russian boogeyman seems to be going away, the media might pay attention to this. But the reason I wanted to have you on and bring this to the attention of the audience is you were, uh, along with two others, um, basically yeah, sued um, nine months ago by Dr. Mark Edwards, who is the Virginia Tech engineer and scientist who uh, was largely credited in the beginning of the Flint water crisis with sounding the alarm uh, on the lead problem. And he sued you for $3 million, um, along with two water activists that do not live in Flint. Um, So Mark Edwards, for those of you that don't know, he did the original testing in Flint He worked with you and other residents in coordinating, uh, trying to get the EPA to respond, uh, trying to get the media to pay attention. Uh, And then over the years since then, uh, a lot of residents, including you, had concerns. Uh, Full disclosure, Mr. Edwards is not a fan of mine. Uh, I've reported on him and, uh, you know, as a journalist, just kind of looked at his report, his science, uh, his methods and raised questions. So not a fan of mine, which we'll get to later. Uh, So first of all, just brief synopsis. How did you first get uh, involved with Mark Edwards as a resident? And um, what was he suing you and these two other people for? So um, in uh, throughout the beginning of... I I should say the reason we're having you on is the judge dismissed (laughs) dismissed this lawsuit uh, this week. So go on. Massive dismissal. Yeah, yeah, so uh, we had started speaking out um, at the very beginning of 2015, and um, through going to different city council meetings and um, different community meetings, I had become friends with Leanne Walters. And also, I had been speaking with Bob Bocock, who was referred to us um, uh, from Aaron Brockovich, because we had reached out, many residents had reached out, and um, I ended up connecting with her through email, connecting with Bob, started speaking to Bob every single day. Um, Everything that I say scientifically, almost everything, um, he taught me. And um, so I was sending him documents. Uh, He was going through them, explaining them to me. Um, He's actually the one that initially um, uh, realized that there was no orthophosphates or corrosion control in our water because he could go through looking through the chemicals they were using on the different forms that we had sent to him. So I had faxed him information every day. We had talked. Um, Which is the main main reason the lead leached into the water because there wasn't that corrosion control. And he told us, with people having orange and brown water, that's iron corrosion. With iron, um, usually comes lead and copper, which copper has a slight blue color, but lead has no color. So he encouraged us. Um, he came out Valentine's Day, actually, 2015, and he encouraged us all to start testing our water. So we did. We got testing kits for Leanne's home because her ho- her water was, like, really brown, really, you know, bad. So she went ahead and had it tested, and it came back 104 parts per billion, which at the time was the highest that had happened. And they retested it, and it kept going higher and higher. And people and, and people should know the uh, EPA's so-called action level is 15 parts per billion, so 105, obviously, much higher. 
And the state and federal laws, we've been working on those to lower it down because the only safe level is zero. Um, action level means you have a problem with corrosion control. In our case, it didn't exist. Mm. And, um, and you have to do something. So it's basically, it's not a safety level. It's an action level that the utilities have to get off their rear ends and do something. So... Um, so anyways, so her test results, because they were the highest, had been sent over by the city to the state, which were sent to the EPA. That's where Miguel Del Toro got um, involved. So um, Miguel Del Toro um, from the EPA, Region 5, and um, Jennifer Crooks, same place, um, came out, met with us at Leanne's home, gave us some test bottles, things like that to do more testing. And then, uh, and we did, we took pictures and we showed them evidence and we went through all this stuff. Um, so then they came back high, um, of course. And so um, he connected us with Mark Edwards um, around the early summer of 2015. So we started working with him in July. And one of my issues that I had brought up, um, because they had went ahead and changed Leanne's service line in May of 2015, they tried to say it was just her home. Her home was an outlier. It was not the city, which we knew better because we had been getting our water tested since Bob told us to. And people were showing high and higher levels of lead across the city. So um, Kurt Guyette actually came up with the idea, and he is um, an investigative reporter for the ACLU of Michigan. Um, we met him at our one-year anniversary march, which was April of that year of 2015 and he said he would pay to do widespread testing he talked to mark and said what would be the best way and how much and mark said it'd be about 70 75 dollars a test so um how many would you need and um, mark and said, so the, and so the audience knows mark edwards uh is at virginia tech but he also was involved with the washington dc lead response because dc yes. had a major lead problem which frankly still exists um so that's why kurt probably went to mark Yes. Well, and that's who Miguel had recommended. He said, this guy, you know, worked on D.C. He's a corrosion guy. He's going to be, I mean, that's his specialty is a corrosion. And Virginia Tech has a lab we could use. Um, it's not a certified lab, but we weren't using it for anything specific. We just wanted to do widespread testing. So Kurt Guyette actually offered to pay for the test, the 100 tests that we were going to do at first. But then Mark said, hey, there's this rapid research grant for $50,000. If you guys sign on and write a letter of support, um, we can apply for this and see if we get it. And we did, you know, or he did. And so he got the $50,000. So we ended up getting, he shipped us 300 tests and we went out, we went door to door. Kurt and I went out and knocked on doors because the goal was to get an even amount of tests um, per zip code and per ward. So all we wanted to do is not a lead and copper rule test. All we wanted to do was to show that it was not just Leanne's home. And because they had said, well, we fixed her service line, so her problem is over, and so everybody's problem is over. So we knew better, so we went ahead and um, and we did it. I, I know I um, we had uh, churches that would um, all open their doors for us so people could come pick up their kits and then bring them back. Um, we would ho um, host, uh, Nair Sharif would go through the instructions with them. We played a video um, on how to do the testing, and then to bring it back, we kept them all organized, logged them, sealed them, signed them. Um, I dropped off for people who didn't have transportation. I dropped off and picked up 62 of them myself. And we ended up with like 277, 278 tests, which, which made history because we did it in like a two week period. It was right around my birthday and anniversary, which I didn't have that year. <laughs> so, and, uh, I just want to make clear for the audience. When you say uh, this was not an EPA lead and copper test, what you mean is it wasn't a test to to officially meet EPA regulations. No, right. no, we didn't ask. Um, we didn't ask 
what their service line material was. We didn't see if they were a tier one home, which means they have the highest risk with like a lead line mm. or, you know, copper line soldered with lead, that kind of thing. So no, it was just basically, um, we wanted to evenly distribute the tests and we did a map and we did a presentation in September, 2015 that showed, yes, there's a widespread problem. And, uh, we got ignored and, uh, Mark got ignored. He said the state had raped the children of Flint's futures because they were ignoring us and still going on, refusing to switch our water source back or do anything. Um, and then Dr. Monahan Atisha, uh, her friend Elon Batonzo had heard what we were doing and said, you need to talk to these people. So she got our water tests and she and Dr. Lawrence Reynolds had gone through with her students and compiled the data they already had at Hurley Hospital and Mott Children's and they matched the elevated blood blood levels in children um, in Flint, the ones that actually got tested because um, nobody knew to test that they matched the higher lead and water tests that we had done. So then she did a presentation at the end of September and then we went through back and forth. So anyway, so that's how that all worked. It's all been community based and community driven. Uh, we've done the, the work on the ground. You know, we dedicated everything just to prove that we knew that there was a widespread problem with the Flint water. And of course, we were proven right. Um, of course, over time, uh, the media had changed it to the, you know, Mark, Mona, Leanne, and sometimes Miguel, sometimes Kurt story, which those of us who lived here didn't care so much at first because we weren't here for the accolades. We just wanted our water fixed. Mm -hmm. um, I started working with the Natural Resources Defense Council and ACLU of Michigan and concerned pastors on a lawsuit to force the state to replace our service lines since that was a huge problem. They were in violation of the Safe Drinking Water Act. We went to court for 18 months on that one and uh, finally won after two additional months of mediation um, to where they would have to actually replace those. And it's only one piece because, uh, again, you know, we need interior plumbing replaced, mains need to be uh, fixed. So it's more than just um, the service lines, but it, that was one piece. So we're like, okay, we can tackle this. So I, th I think that's important to stress because the uh, you were in a prior lawsuit where you were a plaintiff with the concerned pastors and the ACLU and a bunch of other people, and um, that got ninety eight million dollars towards fixing changing service lines. So the service lines are from the curb to the uh, house, but that does, that didn't address the busted home, interior home plumbing. Or the main lines, you know, in the in the street. Right. Uh, it, it's a Safe Drinking Water Act case that's still ongoing. We keep going to court for it because even though it was an agreement, uh, we have certain parties that don't want to do their part. Yeah. Um, so worst babysitting job ever. And it's a Safe Drinking Water Act case, so. Um, uh, we don't obviously get any money off of it. All it is is to force the city and state to comply with the Safe Drinking Water Act, which unfortunately that completely outdated law only covers service lines. Mm -hmm. So we're hopeful that with the um, class action and damages lawsuit that we can get money for people to replace their interior plumbing and appliances and fixtures and then hopefully hopefully somehow get funding to replace these lines in the street, the, 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 the main lines, the trunk lines as they call them. Because that, you know, I mean, the, the acidic, caustic, you know, uh, unprotected water that ate up everything didn't just eat service lines so it ate our bodies too um so so yeah so that was a big thing so yeah we didn't really notice until january of 2016 um um Dr. Edwards got uh, appointed to the Flint Water Interagency Coordinating Committee and we saw him shaking hands with uh, Governor Snyder and we're like wait what are you doing what are you doing? And then he took part in these meetings where residents were locked out. We had die-ins outside of them. We sat out and protested outside of them. We were literally locked out of these meetings. We could not attend these meetings. So they continued to make decisions about us without us. 
And that was okay. And Mark didn't do anything to, to change that. And then all of a sudden he testified in front of Congress and it went from the state, you know, this is the worst case of genocide we've ever seen to this is the worst case of poisoning we've ever seen to, um, you know, the state of Michigan did this to the EPA failed the people and the state did a good job. So it's evolved over time. And we're like, wait a second. Yeah, the EPA didn't swoop in and help us fast enough. And that's terrible, but they're not the ones who made these decisions. And it should, uh, al- it should also be noted that the state actually lied to the EPA and said that they were actually, they had full c- corrosion control yes. and they were adding the corrosion control treatment into the Flint River. So not that the EPA was perfect, but right. the state they were lied to. The state lied to the EPA about whether they were adding the proper chemicals into the water to make sure lead didn't leach out. Absolutely. So and then when they did find out, of course, there's a mess of red tape when the federal government can come into the state. They have to be invited. So keep that in mind when I talk about the CDC. But, um, yeah, they have to be invited to come into the state. And, of course, they were not invited. So um, until it was too late, actually, the federal government, the CDC wasn't invited in until April of 2016. So a little lot late, um, especially and it was about the rash studies and everything because people are still having rashes and blisters and all sorts of problems. And still to this day, people, I keep getting pictures sent to me of rashes and blisters and it's terrible. My kids still break out. I still break out on my face from time to time and it uh, hurts. And, and, and although uh, Mr. Edwards doesn't like when people say there's still problems, uh, I did, we'll get into it later, but I did extensive reporting there last year and I saw the rashes and I saw, uh, I saw rashes. I saw people with hair loss still. I saw people with, uh, I saw a one year old infant baby who had just moved into a home, uh, with white blisters all over her legs, arms, and ears. It, you know, wasn't from the, it, it wasn't from watching TV. Uh, right. she had just moved in and the mother said she was bathing her in that water for 30 minutes a night. So continue. No, you're and you're right. And the thing is that um, is that we had uh, originally violated the Safe Drinking Water Act here in Flint for total trihalomethanes, which is a cancer causing byproduct of too much chlorine being put in the water. The reason they had to put a ton of chlorine in is because we had a huge bacteria problem for um, fecal coliform for E. coli. And so these were going on without our knowledge and um, they cause a lot of health problems. And that was the first violation. We found lead just because Bob Bocock told us to test for it because of the discoloration of the water. Um, so then all of a sudden lead became the only issue. Um, one of the plumbers, the UA plumbers, he, um, Ben had said that lead sucked the oxygen out of the room. Then no one wanted to talk about the, the bacteria that had killed people like legionnaires, the other bacteria that was causing the, um, flesh bacterial infections, the bacteria that's causing eye infections, ear infections, infections of heart. I have an infectious diseases doctor now because of these things who told me it took me two months to get in to see her the first time because she, she said her weight list is so long and she gave me a long list of bacterial infections that Flint residents are are suffering so um, and we have that meeting recorded too because the actress who played me in the Flint movie actually came to Flint and stayed for a while and went to the doctors with me and stuff so she could get the medications and conditions accurate and hear more about it um, and then on that tape you can hear her crying because she's good people um, who, so who is that actress again Maren Ireland, who did, and everybody, like, even Michael Moore complimented her um, portrayal of me. So mm. she did a great job. And she's cool. We still talk. And mm. so she's cool people. And she worries about us because, obviously, nothing is happening that should be happening. Mm. Um, so, so you know, as it goes on, we're sitting here screaming, going, what about the bacteria? What about the total trihalomethanes? What about the other chemicals in the water we haven't been tested for? And 
then the doors open to this repeated betrayal of Flint residents. Um, we've had people come in or people that we've requested to come in to help us that have flipped on us. There's very few. There's you, there's Aaron Brockovich, there's very few people that have stayed with us and never said that we were crazy, never talked down to us, were never abusive to us in any way, shape, or form, but would listen to us like we're real people. Just because we don't have PhDs or because we're poor, a lot of people are like, mm, moving on. You know, Trump did a thing, so moving on. So one of the things that happened to us is we realized we felt betrayed by by Mark Edwards because now he's, you know, getting on the stand defending um, the very people that he condemned. If you look at the interviews he did in 2015 versus 2016, 17 and 18, night and day difference like he was saying the state of michigan did this to us and using the word genocide but then he then attacks me in his blog his publicly funded blog that's connected to virginia tech called flint water study which is not really about <laughs> studying flint water um it's and, and, and i just want to and i just want to note so the audience understands this uh mark edwards to my knowledge uh has gotten over two million dollars in, in federal money from the epa and Vir oh. and virginia tech so Mark Edwards at Virginia Tech. So this blog where essentially, I mean, I don't really, really read it because after he made a selectively edited video about me, I realized it was just kind of a weird Fox News type blog. Bad. <laughs> but um, the blog is part of that funding. So he's gotten over $2 million in EPA grants, not to mention private foundation grants. And so I'm not, you know, I don't have proof that, oh, he got the money and as a result changed his tune but he did get a lot of money from the epa uh, and virginia tech did uh he got significant money from the mott foundation other foundations and uh, along the lines uh like you said he definitely changed his viewpoint as far as who was responsible and his testing began to show rapid improvement in yeah. the flint water and at, at September 15th, when we did our press conference and our town hall later that evening, he had said the only fix is that all the contaminated um, infrastructure be replaced. And then now, magically, the test started getting better and better. And he started saying he, he declared the beginning of the end of the Flint water crisis in 2016. And then we find out he'd been going around giving presentations saying that he solved the Flint water crisis in 2016. And uh, last year, I was like, it's 2018. Nobody told us because we're still having problems and people are still testing sky high for lead and other contaminants. I mean, January of this past year, a friend of mine died from Legionnaires. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to sit here and be like, oh yeah, everything's fine, according to some people, and they don't live here, and they're telling us these things, but they're not even doing proper lead and copper rule testing, and, you know, I mean, and also, they're, they're skipping testing anything else but lead and copper, and, and, and not even talking about copper, and so I'm just frustrated, and so we're sitting here, like, going along, and then, of course, uh, pretty consistently, there'd be a blog that would pop up about me, things I didn't say, you know, snapshots and twisting of um, different stuff. Apparently, I was accused of uh, collaborating with FatChep, which I never did. Um, can you, another can you explain what that is to the audience? Oh, um, the, the Flint area. Oh, goodness. Uh, FatChep is uh, a bunch of actual like microbiologists, um, engineers, water experts from different universities here in Michigan, um, from Wayne State, Kettering, different places like that, that um, when people kept asking questions about bacteria, they wanted to do some testing. And they started looking into um, Legionella. They started looking into other, just, just to say, because to, 
to say that there's no bacteria in the water is wrong. I mean, there's good bacteria. There's there's benign bacteria that don't hurt people. But then their job was to look for, um, especially the filters, because Dr. Laura Sullivan, somebody I highly, highly respect because um, and she's a, a professor at mechanical engineering and one of the nicest human beings you will ever meet. Um, so supportive. She was actually in Haiti, I believe, at the time when all this busted out, um, helping them create filter a filtration system that they could you know helping them get access to clean water comes home to flint and sees we don't have it here and so she jumped in immediately she's you know a professor of mechanical engineering um just a fantastic human and so she's helped us answer a lot of questions learn a lot too and uh, and stuck with us and she became a target because she was part of this fatch up um which is a team of and there's medical doctors there's you know, it's a mix of their experience which is great because uh, mark edwards is not a microbiologist but then starts attacking them saying and he's not a doctor and all that stuff he's just he's a civil engineer and so um so he starts going on and attacking them uh, about, you know, this or that, accusing them of this or that. And uh, Dr. Sullivan had become sick when she came back from South Dakota because she's also she also goes out to the reservation to help them get access to clean water because they're worse off than anybody in this country. Um, she got sick. And what had happened was um, she got Shigella and um, she ended up getting dysentery. It got so bad. Um, what she feels happened is that bacteria had grown on her water tap filter over the the time that she was gone she didn't flush it she, she didn't know to nobody told her to and so she drank straight from it when she got home and got extremely ill and was in the hospital for quite some time so um then uh, mark started labeling her as uh she got shigella and lost her mind and all this stuff and um she never scared people I and mean, that's been the big thing that mark has said is that and uh, you know and this ends up going to a letter we'll talk about here in a second but he's saying that flint residents stopped bathing because we were scared of the water and here's the thing it takes a lot to scare anybody in flint <laughs> just let's just put that in the first way um but the biggest thing that scares us well actually there's two things one that we don't know what's in our water so we don't know how to protect our families um that's scary and then two that this will never be fixed so that's the, our biggest fear. Before we move on, because I want to get to the lawsuit. So I just want the audience to understand why this is important. This is a publicly funded civil engineer. When I say publicly funded, it means you, the audience. You're paying yes. for... You've made the, donations too. Right. So. so you're paying for the EPA so that the EPA could hand out grants to many people, not just Mark mm -hmm. Edwards and Virginia Tech. So when you think scientist, when you think civil engineer, you think, oh, you know, they, they do peer-reviewed... Peer uh, journals and they're kind of dull, very smart people, most of them good people, not people that basically have blogs attacking residents in vulnerable communities that have been poisoned. Yes, they were poisoned, not what was the phrasing? Uh, exposed. Exposed. No, they, they were poisoned, I could tell you. <laughs> Wait for our documentary to come out next month. So, this taxpayer funded scientist, and by the way, I don't even know Mark Edwards. I've never met him. He doesn't like me. That's fine. But this publicly funded scientist. Besides this blog, I have personally seen text messages. I've seen emails with him essentially berating and harassing residents who are simply just questioning uh, not his integrity, but his findings. Because you have somebody who's not living in Flint and who essentially, by his own methods, his testing in Flint declared Flint's water was, I believe he said... Um, normal like normal compared to other cities with with uh, bad pipes right he based that on 17 homes 
that were connected to lead service lines. And here's the best part. By his own admission to me on the record, uh, it was just that he didn't like verify that those homes were connected to lead service lines. It was based on suspected lead solder and by Googling the age of the homes online. Now, I spent many a Saturdays uh, in a coffee shop reading EPA paperwork and regulations. I could not find anywhere that says you could verify the infrastructure of the homes you're testing, which is you have to test for the, to meet the EPA's federal lead and copper rule. Half of your sample size has to be connected to lead service lines or um, pipes with lead solder. You can, it, right. no, there's nothing in there about Googling the age of the homes or suspected lead solder. Bring it. Right, right. But anyway, <laughs> so I did a piece um, for Truth Dig that was, I mean, unless it's in my spam, nobody's ever challenged its factual accuracy. So my point is, I'm not trying to denigrate Mark Edwards the person. I'm just telling you that his declarations, which frankly the media has just passed off as, all right, everything's fine in Flint again. Um, they, if you look closely enough, there are questions with his science. But moving along, he uh, essentially, as he started, uh, I don't want to say towing the state line, but basically saying the water's improving, there's wa- the water's improving, even though the residents were experiencing still active problems, even though uh, most of the residents, when they drank the water, it's, it tasted funny still, or uh, there were residents having issues um, still with rashes, um, autoimmune um, autoimmune hair loss. I've heard people with nosebleeds, you know, so he was basically declaring this while people living there are still actively having problems. So obviously there was friction between you, other activists on the ground and him. So how did this accelerate to him suing you, a person who takes 18 prescriptions a day, uh, not to blow up your children, but your children have health issues related to the Flint water crisis. You have three, um, and two water activists who don't even live in Flint. What was the basis of him suing you for $3 million, which most people in Flint don't have $300. So, (laughs) so, um, some of the the issues, uh, and the, the background still kind of foggy on why he did it. Um, in March of actually almost a year ago, about a year ago, um, uh, Mark decided to file a complaint against um, Dr. McElmary, Dr. Sean McElmary from Wayne State, and he's part of FATCHEP and FATCHEP. And he filed it with uh, Lara, and then he ended up filing a lawsuit with one of uh, Governor Snyder's think tanks, the Mackinac Center, that kind of stuff. But what he did was I, he. I, I just want to slow you up for a second. So he filed a lawsuit with a, frankly, right wing think tank. Yeah. What was the ties to Governor Snyder? Uh, no, that's like his his baby, and he goes okay. to them. They helped write the emergency manager law, right to work law, things like that. They they've very supportive of uh, Mr. No, Snyder. I bring that up because he's described in the media, and he describes himself as an independent researcher. Yet Ooh. he filed a lawsuit with a conservative think tank that has ties to Rick Snyder. Go on. Yes, exactly. And so um, we were appalled. Because he actually named his 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 big huge fancy blog that he does, um, and the complaint it was the people of Michigan versus Dr. Michael Mary Fatchup, and we're like, wait a second, you know, you can't file a complaint in our name without talking to us first, because we have finally we are tired of people putting words in our mouth and speaking for us because we take it as, you know, we're not smart enough to speak for ourselves. And so these people, these wealthy people from outside of Flint have to speak for us poor residents here in Flint. 
So we finally got mad and all of a sudden residents were posting like all over the place on, you know, on Facebook and this and that going, hey, and then people were messaging me being like, well, where can we file a complaint? And I'm like, right, that's a good idea. And so then um, we did uh, some public I, posts I don't, asking. I don't, I don't want to interrupt, but I just want the audience to know, what was the uh, professor that he had sued? What was his role in the Flint water crisis, McElmary? Dr. McElmary was basically, he's a part of FATCHEP who was investigating, you know, the bacteria, especially when it has to do with the filters. Questions we were asking. So he was basically, you know, him and his team, Dr. Sullivan, there's a whole long list of them, um, volunteers from Flint, actually, um, residents, you know, people who should have a say in these things, were actually a part of this, this, this group. I was not a part of it, even though I was apparently told that I was collaborating with them that is according to Edward's blog. I'm like, wow, what other jobs do I have? And I didn't know about, um, but, um, but yeah, so that, that, that they were actually looking into the things that we had asked them to finally somebody listening to us because we had Scott Smith from water defense parachuted in and said that, um, that he was going to look into what we were looking for and he was going to stand with the community. Ah, well, guess what? It happened once again that somebody said that they were going to stand with us and then flipped on us. And then now he um, he would threaten to sue Mark Edwards because he was defaming him because he did. I mean, he took a lot of attacks. I will tell you that much. He went after um, Scott like they knew each other, like Scott had run over his pet or something. And he had started calling his investors and business people. I mean, whatever, you know, and then trying to make all these accusations about this water bug testing method. Long story short, the man was just trying to do what we were told, what we had asked for, was trying to find out what else is in our water besides lead. And um, yeah, so then Mark attacked him, and then Scott ended up flipping, and now he's on Mark's side, and that's but that's his choice. Hey, but it's it's become commonplace now that people come in and say, "Hey, Flint residents, we're going to help you," and then blam, because they don't want to be attacked themselves, or they break, or whatever it is. Um, they flip. And, and, I, and, I, and, and I will tell you from personal experience, those who do not flip have their careers attacked. I won't get into details, but uh, yeah. those who do not flip uh, definitely have uh, forces to try to take down their career. Go on. Oh, absolutely. They've gone after you like crazy. And then um, gone after me and I'm a Flint resident. And I'm like, hey, you know, I have no other options but to stand here and stand strong and be like, yo, what you're saying is wrong. It's rude. And so the thing is, is here's all these residents who hadn't, a lot of them had not spoken up before and said, well, I have issues with this. So we spent like almost two months going back and forth through text messages and emails and um, um, a Facebook messenger putting this letter together, which at first it was going to be a like, please stop filing stuff in our name and stop speaking for us, Dr. Edwards. Um, but then it ended up being like a long list because we wanted everyone's voice to be heard, especially since there's people that had never spoken up. We have pastors and amazing like people and, and, and you know, seniors and, and young adults who had never had their really voices heard, they had never really spoken up because they were scared to, took part in writing this letter. There was 40 of us initially um, that we wrote this letter. And it wasn't a letter slamming Mark at all. And it wasn't even to Mark. It was to these different unions and organizations surrounding science and research and academia. We did not send it, by the way, to any funding agencies, like he said that we did. Um, we emailed it quietly to, um, to, these, to these different places asking for help. And so we just wanted to know what rules were being broken because none of us were researchers. We didn't know about the IRB, which, you know, you know, basically watches research to make sure it's done properly and that, you know, the research subjects have given their permission. 
which we hadn't, and um, and weren't being harmed, which we were. But we didn't know that at the time. So we were just asking for help. We were like, hey, can you please come do an investigation? Can you tell us the rules? Where can we file a complaint? It was a letter asking for help. So nothing happened. All summer sitting here like, okay, so nothing happened. So we waited a few weeks. We got responses from a few people saying, sorry for what you're going through. Unfortunately, we can't do anything. You're on your own. We're like, well, we've heard that before. You know, um, there is a lady and let me talk about my trots right now. So there is, a, I can speak. This is the greatest thing. It's been nine months since I've been able to talk, but, um, so Maya Trot, she is the president of the Association of Environmental Engineering and Science Professors. Let's just put it that way. And she's a professor at the University of South Florida. She was one of the people, we had made a list, like the bunch of us had compiled a list of people that we thought could help us, you know, like um, the Union of Concerned Scientists, blah, 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 the different people like that who could help us. Because let me tell you something about Flint. Not only are we tough, but with everything we've gone through, we want it to stop. We want to stop being hurt and we want to stop being damaged, but we don't want to see anybody... So we were like, well, now might be the time to set up if rules don't exist to prevent this from happening to anybody else. Um, now might be a good time to um, to go ahead and set those rules up. So these would be the people to do it. The people that do um, work in the sciences, the engineering you know, communities and academia. And so we quietly emailed them letters and um, and this Maya Trotz. We found out through the Freedom of Information Act. So one fun thing about being sued is then your attorney can FOIA uh, people with public education emails, .edu's, <laughs> .gov's, public email, publicly funded emails. And we found out that Maya Trotz, as soon as we had emailed her and the AEESP, um, she sent the letter to Mark Edwards. And she said, uh, to summarize the very offensive, hurtful email, um, she had said, hey, I checked out all the signatories' um, Facebooks, and I think that you're fine. You've got nothing to worry about. I'm like, oh, okay. So but. I want to I point out there, because I think that's an important point. You said the word signatories, which means they put their names to it. Yeah. Because the lawsuit claimed anonymous. Is that correct? And he's still saying that we need to find out who wrote this letter, which is so offensive because it's basically saying that Flint residents can't do their own work. We can't ask for help on our own. Oh, I'm sorry. We've been doing this for quite some time, long before you popped in. No, so, but like to the letter yeah. to the letter of common sense. He said it was anonymous, but there's 60 Flint residents and their names <laughs> on this petition. <laughs> right, because um, after we didn't get much of a response, we ended up posting it online and made a box to where residents from inside Flint and outside of Flint could actually sign it in support of the letters. So yeah, it ended up being over 100 signatures that he then claims is anonymous. So I'm like, okay, you probably, I guess, I mean, did you just not read the whole letter because our names are at the end and then where we're from too? Because, you know, we talk to people and they're like, well, I want to be listed as this. I want to be listed as that. There's a certain, um, I'm going to have a swear here in a second. There is a certain resident that has a lot to say. She's uh, a deaf resident and she is the most amazing human being I've ever met, but she wanted to sign her name. And instead of just saying Flint resident and mother, she wanted to put, um, Mark Edwards can eat my ass. So, <laughs> so I didn't put that on there because because um, I thought that was a little much, you know, and that, but then I talked to the other people who laughed. So we were split on the decision on what to do with that. So, you know, when she told me that, I kind of told everybody, I'm like, what do you want to do? And they're like, let's just leave it Flint resident mother. And then I checked with her and she said, that's fine. I'll tell them that myself. And I'm like, okay. But that tells you how residents feel. So, um, so then the thing is, is that Maya Trot sent Mark the letter 
And she had said, uh, oh, hey, you know, I think there's no problems here. But in the same time, she sent us a long email talking about how she feels sorry for us. And she had come into Ann Arbor and had hoped to visit Flint to go shopping here. Uh, but there was no, it was a very long email and it was, it really didn't address anything, but she's here trying to tell us that she cares and is concerned about us. I didn't, um, know, but I, then, I, I didn't know Flint was a vibrant shopping uh, district. I wasn't aware either, but yeah. let me tell you something interesting on her website, which is mytrust.com. This is just to show you the, I, I want to say hypocrisy, but also the backstabbing with academia and PhDs and people who say, well, we're going to look into this. And she said, you know, you brought up valid points. We're going to discuss it and we're going to talk about this and we're going to blah, 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 blah. Not knowing that she's like really good friends with Edwards until we got the FOIAs. Like there's one where he was like, oh, you know, this is my thoughts here. And she's like, you're going to be OK. She's supporting him this whole time about the lawsuit. But. I just want to put this out. She had also said that we, you know, how dare we continue to ask for bottled water when he fixed everything. Um, and then, you know, again, the insult of I've looked at their Facebooks and you have no problem. Um, she said on her website, uh, the greatest lesson I've learned when working with people is the value of everyone's opinion. And the recognition that people express things in different ways and through different mediums. Uh, insert eye rolls here. Um, it is crucial to respect those differences and beneficial to learn from and with others. So uh, I can't wait till we can release all the FOIAs because that sure isn't what she's saying behind closed doors. Well, and, yeah. I, I have some emails that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, and one of them in involves her. So, okay, so basically you, uh, 59 other Flint residents, there's also non-Flint residents, sign a petition essentially saying... It's not even a petition. That's the thing. Is it's not even really a petition because we're not asking for like you know, any real action except for tell us where to go to file a complaint. That's right. how you break this letter down. Right. That's that's it. Just help. But ironically, <laughs> ironically this letter uh, talked about um, basically we want Dr. Edwards to stop speaking for Flint residents. We want him to stop imposing his will on Flint residents, stop attacking Flint residents. And his response to that was... <laughs> to sue a Flint resident for $3 million I'll never have. <laughs> right. I mean, I, the thing is, is that we we talked about the bullying because that was one of the things one of the residents is like serious about. She's just like, you know, I, I, I was told to grow a thick skin and deal with the threats that um, people who support Mark Edwards have sent to me. The lies people have posted, uh, especially people like Leanne Walters, who's close to him. The, you know, they chop up what I say. They do everything to twist it around, much like the video about you, to make it look like you're just this awful human. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, and just, you know, so, just so people know, uh, Mark Edwards, it, it's kind of funny to me. I don't really care. But Mark Edwards cut up a video. Uh, he basically took like a bunch of different videos I did reporting in the field. Uh, when I was at the Young Turks and highlighted the fact that I told the audience I was in special ed as a kid, yeah. which like uh, I'm not like embarrassed about to kind of like imply I was dumb. And my whole thinking was like, again, this is an EPA funded civil engineer chopping up like very like, that's like what Fox News does. Like it's called jump cuts and selective editing and whatever. But What's amazing to me is he sues you for $3 million along with two other water activists um, and he's claiming defamation. But I don't know. I remember, I remember in first – I remember in like second grade there was an exercise called fact and opinion. And what's the difference between a fact and an opinion? So I wasn't aware a letter with 59 other people 
voicing your opinion could be defamation because there was really nothing in that letter, and I read it, that is really like verifiable, verifiably not true. It's just the opinion right. of residents. Well, and it basically goes through different points and it says, we feel this, we feel harmed by this, but then all of it, every single section, which you can find on flintcomplaints.com, flintcomplaints.com, um, and, um, you know, like all of it has links to his interviews and most of them to his own blog that actually show this behavior. We're like, hey, he did this and this is how we feel. And it's not helping us heal. It's adding to the stress, it, it, especially like the attacks on Dr. McElmary at the time, the, the attacks on Scott Smith, the attacks on Flint residents like Dr. Laura Sullivan, Vicki Marks, where he uh, accused a 60 year old woman with had he done his research, he would have known she has Parkinson's and can't hold on to little things. Tried saying that she put lead sinkers, which they're not pure lead. Hello. Um, up in her faucet. But then he then finds out she can't hold a lead sinker because her hand shakes so much that um, that he then tried to say, I did it. But the week that that happened, I was in Atlanta. So I don't know how my arms grew that long, but go me. Uh, Apparently, I, I'm Stretch Armstrong. And I want to point this out. This is you saying this, so he can't come after you. I mean, Mark Edwards has basically, it's like Game of Thrones. He just has like little armies of white walkers in the media that just breathlessly regurgitate whatever he feeds them. So he's had Ron Fonger from Flint Journal for years, just repeating everything he feeds him. Arthur Delaney from the Huffington Post. Oh, yeah. Uh, the New York Times, the Washington Post, this and that. And by the way, I've said all along, I give him credit for his original role uh, in, right. he in helping the residents. I don't know Mark Edwards. I think he deserves credit for that beginning role. But the media, the part of the problem here is when the media basically uncritically just kind of regurgitates what a, 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 an engineer text messages them, just regurgitates their bullet points into stories constantly, it basically makes the residents appear like they're crazy or bitter or conspiracy theorists or whatever, yeah. when it's really just regurgitating one side. And what I find really egregious, and now I'm going to get into some of those emails. So he sued you, who, I mean, without getting full into it, like we've discussed some of your struggles related to the water, not just the water, but I mean, this is a mental health crisis in Flint related Absolutely. to this water. When you have poverty, then have environmental calamity, like I, I, to this day, don't understand how you're still fighting. I, I give you a lot of credit. But, um, you know, to me, reading some of the emails I've read, this was this lawsuit against you. I don't even think he realized, thought he would win. This was kind of like a game to him. I mean, there's one email here with Maya Trotz, who you were talking about, from Mark Edwards to Maya Trotz. Making trouble, are you? LOL. Yana and Melissa, you and uh, one of the other people he sued, hired Jordan Charidon's lawyer. This is probably going to be a shit fest. Right. So right there, first of all, they hired, I, I had a lawyer in a previous uh, issue, and you guys used him. But, oh, this is going to be a shit fest. Like, like, this is a game, suing somebody who... Doesn't have none of the residents have Medicare for all related to their no. environmental doctors they have to go to, infectious disease doctors they have to go to. I have been in homes with mountains, stacks of medical bills that, yeah, they got some help, but how much have you paid out of pocket at this point? Twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars? At so, least. Right. So this seemed to be fun. And that's what they call these kind of lawsuits slap lawsuits where. <laughs> You're essentially, whether you win, whether you lose, whatever, the point is to beat down your opponent, 
to bankrupt them and force them in a way to apologize or, or settlement or whatever. Right. And it's, again, and I reached, by the way, I just so the audience knows, I reached out to the EPA uh, two days ago uh, for two, for an unrelated story. But I also asked, do you have thoughts on the engineer that you're funding over $2 million at this point? Most recently, $1.9 million he and Virginia Tech got. Do you have thoughts on him not only suing a Flint mother that got dismissed? If you read the 115 pages, I didn't read all of them, but the judge did not hold back on Mr. Edwards. No, did not. And do you have thoughts that on the same week this lawsuit was dismissed, the complaint against researcher Sean McElmurray was dismissed? So basically, I mean, two, in my opinion, this is my opinion, frivolous th- uh, cases that he filed out of vanity and basically because people were questioning him or, you know, uh, basically they were dismissed. Uh, the EPA has not gotten back to me yet about their thoughts on someone they're funding doing these kinds of things. But th- there's there's also other issues with this. Um, he is filing professional journals attacking you. He's filing. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a journalist. He put me in that journal. That's fine. I don't really care. It's what he said about me is false, but it really doesn't matter. But he's using professional journals to attack you and others. He also is, has been attacking you in lectures he gives around the country. Yeah. So this is, um, to me... I don't know many scientists or civil engineers who act this way. Um, what's interesting is that he that paper that he posted that he he probably should have waited until after the case was dismissed and maybe rethought his stuff. He first of all, okay, so the Shigella outbreak, he accused um, at first um, Water Defense said that you scared people out of bathing, so basically they got Shigella because they were dirty, um, and that's one of the things that we wrote. We we felt like he was calling us dumb and dirty. That was in the Flint complaints letter because of these things he's saying. Um, so then at first, and then he accused uh, on the stand, he accused Dr. McElmary and Dr. Sullivan of scaring people. Well, now in this paper, he's accusing me of scaring eighty percent of Flint residents out of bathing, and now there's a Shigella. We caused our own Shigella outbreak, and. A, Shigella curve that they, um, he and his uh, research student Sid called it, but the CDC and Department of Health and Human Services said that didn't happen. Actually, that nothing the Shigella um, curve, the Shigella, Shigella curve didn't exist, but also the Shigella outbreak didn't happen because people stopped washing their hands and stopped bathing. That's not what happened at all. And actually, they found that the residents of Flint in the water crisis bathed more than in Saginaw County up the road. So that I mean, so we and he said, well, it's because they altered their bathing habits. Well, that means that we go out of town to take showers, that we take shorter showers because of steam and rashes, but we still take showers. We still clean ourselves because we know better. And, you know, I mean, and he's like, they don't wash their hands. I mean, stuff like this. So then he tried saying he never said those things. And the judge brought out in the 115 page opinion that, yes, you did say these things. You actually said these things in defense of yourself in this lawsuit. So he was like, which one is it? Why would you say you never said these things, but then say that you're going to present evidence in um, court that you did say these things and that they're actually true, even though they're not. But this is such an important point that I want the audience to understand, because I want the audience to understand what this lawsuit really was. So you're filing a defamation lawsuit in one breath, while in the other breath saying you want to introduce scientific evidence. So the judge said a courtroom is not where you have a scientific debate. No. So essentially, it's almost like he wanted to because he has done presentations on uh, what does he call it? Um, tribalism in the, in the scientific debate yeah. and, and, you know, the anti expertise era and stuff like that. Um, but he basically wanted to ha- 
part of this lawsuit was to basically have a scientific debate with you and these two water activists at the expense of taxpayers and a judge's time and all these things. And out of fairness, out of fairness to Mark Edwards, just to read his statement in response to this suit being dismissed, he told the Flint Journal, quote, obviously resolving who wrote the letter (laughs) with statements I know to be false and why is not going to be resolved in a court time anytime (laughs) soon. First of all, I don't understand what he's talking about because we know who wrote the letter. There's 60 signatures from Flint residents. I don't understand why he keeps pushing that there's, it's unknown who wrote the letter, that there's 60 Flint residents signed their names. Right. And uh, he's saying he's suing me because I wrote the letter. But then he tried to say that Yana wrote the letter. And then he tried to say Dr. McElmary wrote the letter. And then he says, we'll never know. I'm like, well, but, but we did it. There's 40 of us that did it. We worked our rear ends off. But, we but, worked really hard. But also, <laughs> obviously, resolving who wrote the letter with statements I know to be false and why is not going to be resolved in a courtroom anytime soon. Yeah, you should have known that beforehand. A courtroom is not a base, a place to debate, like, you know, inter, you know, inter-scientists versus activist squabbles. Right. And, and, you know... Like, what's interesting to me is that he keeps, he just did this, like, citizen science malpractice or whatever paper he wrote for the Citizen Science Journal, which, by the way, there's so many conflicts, conflicts of interest in that. Karen Cooper apparently peer-reviewed it, but she's also on the board, and then she's also on this $1.9 million EPA grant, which, mind you, is money the EPA paid him, Edwards, to help develop relationships in the community with scientists and people well he used he built that paper that where he's defaming me and lots of other flint residents um he built that to that grant and then also this karen cooper lady who helped him publish this and blah 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 back and forth i mean bill's got all the conflicts of interest listed out she's on that grant now Mm. i'm like oh wow look at all these people making money and at eight flint residents and uh, by the way one idiot this this um one person excuse me um derek dorman on twitter said that um i got involved in this lawsuit out of my own greed i'm like do you know how this works like had mark won um i i would have had to pay him three million dollars how is that my greed oh my lord i didn't ask to be sued because i'm sitting here telling the truth no way. So, <laughs> but you know what? Stupid things we're dealing with. You know, it's also interesting. And here's another email, which you know, maybe he should be more careful what he writes in his email. But uh, he's communicating with somebody I won't mention, and he was basically trying to bring me into this lawsuit, even though right? I didn't have anything to do with the letter. I mean, I, I knew there was a letter being written, but like, I didn't, I didn't get you anyone didn't to sign. I didn't, I didn't get so, anyone to sign it. I didn't. Right. I had nothing to do with it. So he writes, if you have any communications that indicate an intent on Jordan's part to hurt my reputation or willingness to twist facts to do so, to suppl- su- supplement what he has already sent me in writing, that would help my case. I'm very confident I will win already, but the more information I could get, the better. So essentially, it seems like this was kind of a Goonies-type ploy to add whoever has been... And I don't look at it as critical of his methods. I'm a journalist. They, you just report. The, the people regurgitating what he tells them are not journalists. They're stenographers. So I read his science. I very respectfully reached out to him many, many times at this point two years ago to, to get him to answer my questions. His answers to me had a lot of holes in them. And that's the ultimate story I did. He didn't challenge my story publicly. Maybe he thought, oh, well, it's not getting much traction other than on social media, so why should I respond to it? But as far as I know, there was nothing factually in there that was challenged. So, and by the way, 
there were people on the record in that story, uh, particularly uh, Marty Kaufman, who basically said part of Mark Edwards' entire testing program, uh, his Virginia Tech and EPA-funded program, was based on really, really terrible, sloppy, awful historical documents and records of where lead service lines were. Marty Kaufman basically said, yeah, there's pretty big chance for error because nobody, you know, half half of the um, index cards that had where the, the service line information, where lead service lines were in Flint, were written on index cards. Half of them were tossed because they were illegible. You couldn't read them. And like 11,000 to 15,000 were missing. The person in charge of that study that mapped out wherever lead service lines are, that Michigan Department of Environmental Quality uh, depended on for their testing program, that Mark Edwards depended on, he, on the record, told me there's big issues <laughs> with uh, basically right. the study. It's not an exact thing. So anyway, I want to get to another point. And again, um, you know, he's already, I mean, this email I just read shows you he, he has an itch to sue me. So nothing I'm saying is not factual. If you want to sue me, sue me. But there's nothing I'm saying that's not factual. There's also an element where in addition to the lawsuit where he sued you, he has worked to undermine journalists who are reporting... Yeah. Are reporting not on his testing, but on the state of Michigan's testing. So Melissa knows because uh, I was in Flint when we both had this light bulb moment uh, in about May of 2018. So last year, it became apparent to me that several residents in Flint uh, who were on the official program, uh, the official state testing program, which was called the Sentinel Study. And this program started out with, I believe, 650 homes or something like that. And this was going to be the official focus group where it, these homes are continually tested for lead and copper. And this would be the measuring stick. If these homes, if their lead levels were improving from 2016 to about last year, then you know we could declare Flint's water is improving. It's meeting EPA regulations. This is what the state of Michigan kept referencing when they put out press releases. Where again we are again meeting EPA regulations. So I became aware through talking to residents that some of them had the state of Michigan, the environmental agent, agency, Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, go into their homes, run their water before collecting the lead and copper sample, which is against the EPA's lead and copper rule. You have to uh, turn, you have to, your water can't be used for at least six hours. You then have to turn on the tap and put the sample bottle in right away. Even running that water for 30 seconds makes it an invalid sample. So I found out there was a couple people like that. So just on a hunch, I started knocking on doors. Um, ultimately myself, my business partner, Jen Dyes, knocked on 450 doors over last summer and fall. That's a lot more than Flint Journal has done in its entire existence, by the way. But the point is, so I, I was, you know, journalist, I reached out to the New York Times uh, to see if they wanted to work with me on this because, I mean, it's a major scandal. I mean, you're talking about a community, majority black, but also a hell of a lot of white, uh, poor white people that had been poisoned in 2014. Yes, poisoned. And then the testing program, I mean... These were, this is what residents were telling me, and I have paperwork in some of the instances that show discrepancies between the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality's testing and the EPA. As far as, oh, Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, their tests, oh, these were low numbers. But the EPA went into the same home, tested the same kitchen sink, and found high numbers. So 
I'll let Melissa explain the New York Times part of it. So I had reached out to the New York Times. I didn't give them everything I had, but I gave them a few bullets on what I had to see if they were interested. Who did you get a call from? So New York Times got a hold of me, and it was a reporter that I had spoken to previously, given some really good interviews, really good information. And she asked me if I knew anything about, you know, uh, tampered testing, flushing, any of that stuff. And I'm like, well, actually, yeah. I said, I've gone, knocked on some doors, and I've talked to residents that have had this happen and um, and have walked us through it that provided paperwork that explained the entire situation. I said, but, you know, what you knew is you need to talk to the investigative journalist and his team team, you, um, who has got the bulk of this because, you know, one, I'm not going to give her the story that, that you worked so hard and spent all of like the, your money out of your pocket on and, you know, going door to door with me when it was what, 110 degrees. Was it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so no, like I, I, I'm not going to give her that. But also, I think that she needed to talk to you so you could educate her on what actually was all done. And it wasn't my place to do that. I, so I referred her back to you. And instead of writing you, she wrote Mark Edwards, who had nothing to do with any of this. It, he literally had zero to do with this and had to weigh in. And by so the way, is, by the way, the story has nothing to do about Mark Edwards or his testing. At Mark, all. Mark Edwards did his testing, which, again, he declared Flint safe, basically a sample size, ultimately, of 34 homes. But that's separate. Um <laughs> Well, we have 100,000. No, no. He tested more than 34 homes, but 34 homes was the to, to say, uh, you know, this was the letting copper sample, according to him. Right. But um, so my story had nothing to do with him. It was focused on the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, which, by the way, that was the state's testing that Mark Edwards testing was only there to to validate. to validate whether the state of Michigan's numbers were right. So it's not about Mark Edwards testing my door knocking. It's about the state of Michigan's. So here's an email, Mark Edwards. Yeah, a reporter from the New York Times contacted me Friday about what we're talking about. And I had her speak to Sue Mastin as well over the weekend. So again, the New York Times is reaching out to Mark Edwards about testing that has nothing to do with Mark Edwards. And Mark Edwards is then directing the New York Times to a supposedly independent tester, Sue Mastin, who also did her own testing in Flint. So again, New York Times, wrongly going to Mark Edwards, okay? Mark Edwards, who knows nothing about my reporting on this story, knows nothing about what I found, what I didn't find, is basically trying to wave the New York Times off of the story and sending them to another third-party person who also has nothing to do with the story. Lastly, in this email, Mark Edwards says... I know nothing about any current flushing by Michigan Department of Environmental Quality. If it is happening, and it does not affect Dr. Mastin's independent work, nor did it impact our last round of sampling, even if it was happening, there is no way, in my opinion, George, who's with Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, would allow anything like this to happen now, because to manipulate it like that, his words, because to manipulate it like that, meaning... If what I found is true, it's manipulating the testing and the data, they would need to modify the written sampling instructions. So why I bring this up? Again, this is an EPA-funded scientist who is suing Flint activists and mothers who sign a a letter against him. This is an EPA-funded scientist who is basically waving the New York Times off the story. And basically, I said to the New York Times, listen, 
I just want this story out there. If you want to put me like at the bottom of it, even though it's mine, and take credit, great. This is what I was willing to do. And so he waved them off of this story that he knows nothing about, which if the New York Times did it, this, I mean, these are Aaron Brockovich's words. This is a crime. Manipulating testing like this is a crime. It's cheating. This is her words in my story. She said, all of, the, all of the testing needs to be thrown out and testing needs to be redone. Her words. She said, the, the free water bottle pods need to be reopened because the testing has been manipulated. Her words. So why I'm bringing this up is I, uh, you know, I broke this story in November. Um, Jen and I broke this story. Frankly, uh, we were supposed to publish it through Newsweek magazine who killed it the day before. I believe part of that had to do with some folks uh, that I won't mention uh, getting in their ear. But the point is, we broke this story. Well, right here in the email, Mark Edwards is saying, if this is true, um, this is manipulation. Why this is so important, this story. April 25th is the five-year anniversary of the Flint water crisis. The media has basically breathlessly regurgitated that the water levels are now meeting EPA regulations. Well, if, if they are regurgitating that based on data collected by the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality that at least what I found, okay, I only knocked on 450 doors. There's a lot more doors in Flint. And we did not test every res- – we did not talk to every resident that was on the official state Sentinel program. But – 35 residents, that's not a small number. 35 residents said either Michigan Department of Environmental Quality or core workers. Core was basically Flint residents trained by Michigan Department of Environmental Quality. They were only supposed to be going around helping people put on water filters, not taking lead and copper samples. So we found either Michigan Department of Environmental Quality officials flushed residents' lines before testing core officials flushed residence lines before testing or they didn't neither of those agencies actually flushed themselves but verbally told residents to do it which is just as bad you're intentionally giving the wrong directions in fairness i think core was just doing what they were told these are not skilled people these were just flint residents a lot of them long-term unemployed that were trained by michigan department of environmental quality but why this is so important how do you actually know the real lead levels in flint today if the testing was manipulated and, you know, if Mark Edwards is looking for a reason to sue me or say I'm lying, well, the Solicitor General of Michigan who met with me in February, I'm not going to get into the, our discussion, but we met me, her, her investigator, her attorney. So you think they're going to meet with crackpots? You think they're going right. to meet? You think they're going to meet with journalists who don't have supporting evidence, who don't have meticulous notes, who don't have audio recordings, who don't have paperwork? So. I don't want to get into what they're doing about it, but I will say this is very serious. And based on these emails, he basically steered the New York, the New York Times away from it. Right. And what's funny is that he steered them to Susan Mastin, who she works at MSU, and we hired her through the Natural Resources Defense. So our Safe Drinking Water Act case, we didn't trust that the state, because we had caught them previously doing things to skew the numbers and um, tossing out high tests, doing pre-flushing the night before, which is not near as bad as flushing, but still bad. Um, So we had decided that, you know, it was important to put into the lawsuit to hire an independent monitor. Well, Susan Mastin came highly recommended 
expanded, even though she had not really, I mean, she had worked with FatChep on Legionella. She hadn't really done a lot of like lead and copper testing, but it's very simple. And she had a lab she could use. We met with her, interviewed her. She assured us that she was completely independent from the state, from Mark Edwards, from anybody that had been involved. Well, through the FOIAs, we found out that she's had quite a long relationship with Mark Edwards and that um, prior to all of this with uh, the Safe Drinking Water Act case, she and Mark Edwards had actually applied for grants together. And um, then she also got some uh, put on some boards by the governor. He actually put her on a, um, a couple of boards for PFAS and other contaminants that she didn't have experience with. But whatever. I mean, the thing is, is that that's yet another human being that is supposed to be helping us. Actually, she was hired and paid to be independent of everybody, including Mark Edwards, had promised us swore to us that she was completely independent, had no working relationship with, with him whatsoever. And yes, they're on a first name basis of Sue and Mark and their buddies. Also, she was notified before I was. Now, mind you, we hired her through the Safe Drinking Water Act case, NRDC did, and I'm a plaintiff in that case, so we hired her. I actually sat across and interviewed her. I let them test my home to calibrate their machines. She knew that I was getting sued before I was, and they laughed about it. So this group of PhDs that are supposed to be neutral, independent, all about education and science and neutrality, wrong, laughed about me getting sued. And also, she called me some names. And MSU, when we finally, three months late or whatever it was, four months late, got the um, FOIAs we had paid a lot of money for, um, it was actually redacted where she swore and called me names. But I know what words begin with what, you know? I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, wow. Wow, lady, wow. So that, of course, that independent testing is now tainted because there is a relationship with the state. There is a relationship with Mark Edwards, and it was proven in there. So it's just like, oh, come on. So f trying to find somebody who is independent um, has been difficult. And it's, again, the betrayal, the constant betrayal, the layered trauma you were talking about earlier that Flint residents have to go through. It's like, okay, here's an independent person. We can trust them. Oh, no, they're not. And they totally uh, flipped on us. Just like the emails from Scott Smith trying to say, well, Melissa said this and this. If we cut this, the, there's um, emails between him and Sid and Mark talking about different interviews I had done long before I met any of them. Um, and they're like, if you cut this section out, you can use this section here and make it look like this same thing they did to you. But we have it all on email. So this is going to be interesting when these all come out. Um, but this is why they talk about trust in Flint. You trust people after having this done, and it's all in your face. And, of course, these decisions these people are making impact the resources that you do not have but desperately need. And I want to say one thing is that um, if what you were doing was garbage and if what I was saying wasn't true, why attack us? Why go after Vicki Marks when she put up a GoFundMe because she can't work, which she waters flowers at Home Depot. She's not old enough to be on Medicare yet and Social Security yet, but she's she can't. I mean, she doesn't have health insurance. She doesn't have anything. So um, she she misses a lot of work and she almost lost her home because of it. And so she put up a GoFundMe to help. Mark Edwards, in an email, is laughing because he harassed her and berated her so much. He said, ha ha, we get another win. This is around the same email as laughing about trying to take you down. Um, they said that we got her to take down this, um, this GoFundMe. I mean, she, like, and I'll tell you, nine months, and this is something that's going to, I'm going to talk about a lot. Nine months of being silenced, not being able to say and scream, this is wrong. This is wrong. What's happening to us is wrong. I, I think that was probably a, a reason to do this, to silence me and stuff, because then other people were afraid to speak out. Other people were afraid to post about the water because they were afraid Mark would hurt me. 
Like, that's how bad this got. And by the and, way, Mark Edwards is not the only person who's tried to silence you. The entire state of Michigan, yeah. governor, ex-governor now, Rick Snyder, and his little lieutenants have tried to silence you as well. It's Yeah, I mean, they went and complained to my NRDC attorneys that I'm being mean saying things about them on Facebook. I'm not that mean. Now, I'm not saying, I mean, the PR side of me says, I'll, <laughs> cleans up what I actually post. So I'm very cautious and careful. Um, but still, you know, yeah. So it's been one thing after another attacking me saying I did this and I did that. I'm like, no, I didn't. I wasn't even here. That ain't me. They tried saying I live in Flushing and some of Mark's followers, uh, Carrie Weber and Leanne Walters, all this, they started saying, well, Melissa lives in Flushing. There's another Melissa Mays that lives in Flushing. And I feel bad for her because she keeps getting crap from you because of me, they posted her personal information on Facebook, which is insane because she is a private person that has nothing to do with the water crisis. And they tried saying it was me. First of all, wrong middle name, wrong date of birth, wrong husband, wrong amount of children. And so they've been using this um, Sarah Gannam um, from CNN and Liam Walters and other people have used this email that was obtained uh, not properly and violates all sorts of HIPAA laws talking about that Melissa Mays' two children and their blood lead levels. And uh, I have three kids. I was there when they were born, so I'm aware. And those weren't even the right lead levels. I'm like, that's not even me. That's a different Melissa. Melissa Mays is actually a very common name. So now they're hurting innocent people, completely innocent people, and they don't care. They refuse to take it down. They refuse to take this lady's personal information down. So she, I, I think that she should file all sorts of complaints, but I'm not going to push her to do anything else. I mean, I'm sure she hates me by now because it's the same name. And, and but, I, and I want to stress, and again, this isn't a personal thing, but I, I think it should be, it should be out there. Sid Roy is Mark Edwards. I, I don't know what he is, his research student or his assistant. I, I, I don't say that condescendingly. I just don't really know his role. Sid Roy, although he has not done to, to the lengths that Mark Edwards has done, Sid Roy has helped Mark Edwards in Facebook surveillance of Flint residents. Right. Sid Roy basically, I mean, writes a lot of the posts on Mark Edwards' blog. I mean, you could make you, you could make up in your mind if it's actually Mark Edwards writing it under Sid Roy's name. You so Sid tell. Roy, uh, who is a Virginia Tech researcher, or I don't know his exact title, uh, Sid Roy also is part of this whole gang that has done these things with Mark Edwards, so he shouldn't be, um, you know, excused either. I, w I want to point out something else. And again, you know, Mark Edwards is going to watch this meticulously. I'm sure he'll look for, you know, something to sue me with. That's fine. This is all his words and emails, so that's fine. But I want to make sure that people understand this. Again, publicly funded person with your taxpayer money, not only suing Flint residents, this is what he wrote as far as me, okay? Um to Maya Trotz uh, and someone else. The greatest part is that their hero activist, Jordan Chariton at YTN, I don't know what YTN means, maybe YouTube network or, I don't know. Okay. Their greatest part is that their hero activist, Jordan Chariton at YTN, that we decided to undermine, hmm, that we decided to undermine, just got fired for actual sexual harassment. Some of these engineering ed people are really sick. Still want me to come? Not too late to back out. Hashtag me too. So, first of all, there's so many things about this. Number one, um, yeah, I don't have anything to hide. I've addressed this several times. I, was, I, I had an accusation against me. It was just totally false. Uh, it, it was false. It is false. And Mr. Edwards, and I honestly, I'm not losing any sleep over it. It doesn't bother me. I, I find it kind of insane that a scientist would be doing these things. Uh, in his lectures around the country w was bringing me up and me too with these things. Uh, he doesn't know anything about it. He just pushes something that 
a year and a half later, the majority of people that looked into know is not true. But what I think is really interesting about this email is it continues a pattern where he's openly kind of joking about undermining people. So right. I don't know what this means, decided to undermine. I mean, I know for a fact he's trying to plant negative stories about me with other outlets. I know for a fact he's tried to get outlets not to publish my reporting that we were talking about, which has a lot of ethical problems. Again, he's publicly funded by you. So and he teaches ethics at Virginia Tech. And, and, and also he talks about the, the, the post-truth era and some other stuff and, and, and how blah, 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 this and that. But I'll tell you, so Sid Roy, he, they tried to say he's not involved, but he's actually copied on a lot of the emails talking about the lawsuit, actually in the building of this lawsuit. Um, let me just tell you something. So Sid Roy has been a part of this since the beginning because he's right there by Mark's side. You know, I met Sid. I thought he was a great dude when I first met him. Very supportive of me. And actually, I want to just tell you that they, Sid and Mark complimented me to no end saying, that the Flint water crisis wouldn't be exposed. He wouldn't be involved if it wasn't for me asking questions and demanding answers and refusing to take the status quo as truth. <laughs> so let's just remember that, okay? So he used, you know, in 2015, he said that that part of me, the, the part that needs information and all that stuff was great, and I was a hero because of it. And then you see um, Sid Roy and Mark talking to their students about screenshotting, making fake Facebook and social media profiles to screenshot our um, information, even if it wasn't public, without our permission, mind you, um, and save it in a Google Drive folder. And then they've used those screenshots in their presentations in the tribal truth um, in the age of tribalism, talking about the Flint water crisis, um, which is a majority minority city. And I think that's a terrible title, but that's my opinion. Um, but, um, I, you know, and on the backs of the people that raised him up, because actually he's received multiple like six figure cash um, awards starting back in D.C. He got half a million dollars from MacArthur Genius Grant Foundation, um, which then he went to them and blocked filters for Milwaukee, but that's a different story. Um, you can talk to um, the Milwaukee activists there because, yeah, Robert Miranda is a good one to talk to because um, he's been through it with Mark Edwards as well. And so, um, yeah, so basically, so they've talked about collecting this information and this data without our permission, and they wanted to know when Flint residents called each other's heroes or talk about our health problems or our water testing or whatever, but wanted to know when we called each other heroes. How gross is that? So then you start to get freaked out because you don't know if some creeper is looking at your stuff and taking it and twisting it, which is, of course, what is exactly what happened to me. But now this is something. So Sid has been involved with the lawsuit since day one in the planning phases and beyond. You know, he's on all these emails. Um, so Dr. Uh, Yana, Dr. lambrini um actually was at a... Um, she was at a conference where it was talking about, you know, citizen science, and that's a whole other subject all in of itself. And she wrote the power imbalance, and then she wrote this on Twitter. She wrote the power imbalance between scientists and communities in citizen science must become an urgent research priority and policy focus. Citizen science is an unrelated, or a city um, at SITSI is an unrelated enterprise with unregulated enterprise with no mechanisms of oversight, accountability, or community protection from the abuses of professional power. So that's one of the things is that, you know, the citizen science wave that Karen Cooper is a part of who the citizen science journal where Mark just posted that thing that was supposed to be peer reviewed, which I mean, a lot of the information is false. So I'm not sure who reviewed it, but OK, fine. So then Sid Roy actually responds to her tweet, which, you know, you should probably keep your distance during a lawsuit, but that's fine. And then he wrote also in, and in quotes, wrote profession or protection of professionals from abuse of community power. First of all, what community power? What power do we have here in Flint? You are, oh, 
Mm. So I thought that was interesting. So somehow the, the, these, these professionals who are getting these grants, and actually the last time we had added up, it was like $6 million, six. And then also the six-figure personal cash grants from like MIT and, you know, um, Heinz even, you know, calling them like these awesome, you know, heroes and stuff like that. Not residents getting any money. Um, and then there's another like $200,000 Goldman Award that went to a resident, a former Flint resident who moved in 2015. But, you know, I mean, because Mark, you know, set her up to like, they're, they're good friends. She supports him. She doesn't question him. Uh, some of us question him and let me just uh bring that up like why it's so interesting that they have to they, they they put this down and they're like well they don't know what they're talking about they're you know they they cause their own shigella thing they don't know how to bathe they don't know how to wash their hands jordan doesn't know what he's doing he went to special ed so all of these <laughs> things that they're saying like you know these these people are just blah 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 and then all of a sudden magically when it fits their agenda they're talking about community power abusing professionals i'm like what and actually, the only people abusing professionals here in Flint is, is Mark and his team that are attacking the professionals that we rely on, like Batchup and the Genesee County Medical Society, the doctors here, um, because Mark has um, weighed in on arguments about miscarriage rates going up 490%, weighed up on the argument over um, poisoning versus exposed. And he's not a doctor or a microbiologist or any of these things. So that aside... I want to read one of the parts, one of my favorite parts of the 115-page uh, federal judge's decision to dismiss this case, um, especially against me with prejudice. So goodbye, can't refile it because, come on now. Anyhow, um, one of my favorite things is on page 68, and it says, more importantly, the Flint water crisis is a para uh, paradigmatic example of a matter of public concern where the freedom to call for an investigation into the activities of those in positions of significant persuasive power and influence is essential. So it took a federal judge and court and nine months for the judge to be like, yes, it's okay for residents who are especially being affected by the Flint water crisis to ask questions and to ask for an investigation into those of with significant persuasive power. Uh, he didn't say the other way around that Edwards should, and, and Sid Roy have talked about how citizen scientists are not being policed and how there's, a, you know, communities are abusing professionals. No, that's not what the judge said. Because communities can sit here and speak up all day long, but we're not the ones getting funding. We're not the ones changing the laws. We're not the ones with this power. So I thought that was quite interesting that Sid would post that, that, you know, we're abusing professionals. But also one of the things is people have asked, I mean, residents have on Facebook asked Mark to leave and to leave us alone and to stop talking about Flint and to stop posting on that blog with our name on it because it's so abusive. I mean, if you read it, it's horrific. He even talks about vegan sex in there and somehow that wraps back around to us. I, I just no, it's embarrassing. And we don't want that to be what comes up when you talk about Flint. But yet he's doing all of these things that make no sense and are not professional or ethical, in my opinion, whatsoever. But yet he's the one they go to to find out exactly what you said, to find out what's going on in Flint. He's not the voice of Flint. And that was one of the things in our complaint complaints letter. Let the people speak for themselves. That's, it's not that hard. We're the ones that live here. We have the expertise of what we're going through. We know what's been done to us. And when you ask the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality about the people who have reported this flushing, the improper testing, they said they must be confused. Well, everybody else is calling us idiots, so why not? I mean, oh, excuse me, idiots. You know, my opinion is that they're calling us idiots. I mean, so, yeah, so why do, that just seems to be a thing. Well, these people are dumb, so, But it, you know. interestingly, okay. eno interestingly enough, when I asked them specifically about certain homes and whether they sent officials into their homes, because it's not just the fact that they flushed, which is against the EPA's letting copper rule, 
The EPA, on the record, to me, said state officials were not supposed to be going into homes and testing, period. They were supposed to leave test kits for the residents that were on this official program to test themselves. The residents were supposed to test, leave it outside for the state to pick it up. So just the state going into people's homes that were on this official test. In other cases, they, they might have tested uh, for residents that were not on the official state program. So uh, to wrap this up, because my father's going to throw me. Throw Ooh, me. Yeah, yeah. look at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, have Sorry, a fa- I have a family thing, but whatever. I'll have to do. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to make a point, and then I want your thoughts. Uh, so we have a documentary coming out, our first documentary. Uh, it's called The Flushing of Flint. Uh, Ty has been working on it very, very, uh, like overnight, basically for, for months. And it's going to show this whole reporting process, with all the, all the sweaty door knocking that we just talked about. And it's going to show these residents. Uh, we're about to hit five years. Can, 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 can you explain for the audience? Uh, I don't think most people get this. There's no emphatic way to say the water in Flint today is safe for drinking consumption. I don't think people get that. Mark Edwards seems to call people who say that conspiracy theorists or kooky and anti-science, but there's no, and I've seen it because I'm seeing these rashes. I'm seeing this hair loss. I'm seeing people who are having nosebleeds. I'm seeing people who are forgetting letters of the alphabet, who are forgetting numbers. And anecdotally, totally anecdotally, I drank the water in several homes while I was there over the summer. It tasted like dog piss. Okay. I yelled at you. So, I think people need to understand in an American city, you're going on five years in a month. Can, can, can people safely say the water is safe for drinking consumption? And by the way, yes, the media has a lot to answer for, for this kooky Russiagate conspiracy theory that is now being shown not to be true. But the media people that simply regurgitated this uncritically without even looking into it, without looking into not only Edward's science, but Michigan Department of Environmental Quality's testing that was saying it was getting better, um, other indep- independent monitors that said it was getting better. You're living there. You're one of the he- lead activists. Is the water universally safe in Flint and meeting EPA regulations? There is no way to say that it is. The only thing I can say is that people who are doing residential testing and doing it properly without the state of Michigan coming in their home, uh, there's a lot of people still coming up with super high levels of lead, lots of rashes. Our, our water, our shower water now has been smelling like burnt hair. I don't know what that is, but uh, Bob Bocock told us if you can see your water, meaning is it this colored, if you can smell your water and if your water has a taste, there's something wrong. There's something uh, off there. And it's not just lead, by the way. It, it, the, the lead might be improving, but it, there could be other things that they're not even testing for. Well, and the lead should be improving because we are getting the service lines out. I mean, that's one piece. So it should be improving to a point. But what's funny is because they keep saying that we're anti-science when all we're doing is asking for more science. We cannot say with any kind of 100% certainty that the water in Flint is safe until all contaminants are tested for in all homes. That is the way that it is. And that's never happened. That doesn't seem to be what's going to happen. And it's funny because, again, calling us anti-science, when all we're doing is asking for more science, for thorough science, for additional testing, scientific testing, because we in Flint, unlike the media and other people out there, do not take the words of Mark Edwards or the state of Michigan who put us in this position or other people who are not independent, who have 
have proven that they're not. We're not going to take their words when they say, oh, everything's just fine. See, that's the funny thing is that apparently we're anti-science, but we demand the science to prove whether our water is safe or not. Um, and we, we are going off of Vanity saying, hmm, I can still smell it and see it. So I think because of that, I, because my water smells like burnt hair, I think more testing needs to be done because people are still breaking out in rashes and dying from Legionnaires that, huh, more, more things need to be tested, not because the state's telling me everything's fine, not because Mark's telling me everything's fine. Um, no, I'm not going to take that. Unlike the media and people from the outside who just get their bits and pieces off of, you know, regurgitated, you know, sound bites. I, I, I think it's funny because the residents in Flint are not like that. They're like, they're not walking around being like, well, you know, Mark said it was fine, so it's fine. It's all better. No, they're saying, no, I still have rashes. It still smells funny. It still tastes terrible through a filter. We need more testing. So don't call us in Flint anti-science when we are the epitome of residents who demand science we demand facts and we demand answers that's what we do here and that's why the world even knows the flint water crisis exists is because we demanded answers and we didn't take the status quo you know soundbite of everything is getting better and it's the most monitored water in the country that means nothing you can be monitoring it it's terrible and people are still dying but all you're doing is watching so yeah, no. So yeah, that's the thing is that you nobody can tell us that the water is 100% safe across the board and across all I think it's like 39,000 Flint homes until thorough testing is done. We need an epidemiologist to match that test the water testing to our bodies to see what's going on, but also in every home, every tap, everybody needs to be tested for all different contaminants that are a danger to our bodies and our health. And until that is done, anybody that says that everything is safe no, prove it. You mm. prove it to this anti-science person. No, I want the science that proves it. Thank you. For people that are having water issues in your community, trust me, throwing filters at it is not, does not solve the problem. I mean, we don't have time to get into that, but filters are not a magic Trojan horse that will prevent all lead, all bacteria, all things, and they go bad very quickly. You could respectfully say, oh, you know, let me explain what you, let me explain what you don't understand, or if you have if you have questions about my science or my methods and have a debate or have a dialogue, but I haven't seen that from, from Mark Edwards. I haven't seen that from Sid. So why I'm so passionate about Flint is very simple. I've sat on porches with 37 year olds that look 80 because they've been poisoned. I have talked to children and had them, uh, you know, say the alphabet and stop it like E when they used to know the whole alphabet. I've talked to children that cannot go past 14, when they used to know till 50. I have seen people with full rows of teeth missing, okay? So either I'm a sociopath or I'm just human and care. And unfortunately, most journalists are, are ladder climbers, public relations pushers, and fucking idiots, okay? So that's why I care. And I never had an issue with Mark Edwards. I have an issue with the science and the methods because I don't think it's good enough science to declare a city that's been poisoned and their water safe when you've tested 100, what, what did he start with, 168 homes or something like that, when the subset of that testing is 34 homes out of a city with, I think, 40,000? Just under, yeah. When you don't verify, you say it's okay, I Google the ages of the homes online, but you're not even verifying. You don't, have a, you don't have a plumber going into these homes confirming that they're even connected to a lead service line. So it's all guesswork, which isn't my words. That's Harold Harrington's words, plumber in Flint, that was on the record in my original story. 
I never defamed Mark Edwards in that story. It was all factual. So if Mark Edwards wants to take action against me, so be it. It's all factual. And, you know, if you're detecting a pattern, I'm talking to the courts here. If you're detecting yeah. a pattern uh, of essentially frivolous lawsuits, you would, be, you would be correct. So anything you want to say to end? Um, just, uh, there's more that's going on in Flint than you've been told, obviously, um, when the very people that poisoned us and have helped cover things up for all these years are giving you the numbers and telling you the answers, question it. So, uh, definitely watch the documentary. I can't wait to see it. I mean, it's gonna, I live here, so it's gonna be heartbreaking, I know, but, um, it'll be nice to see the truth come out and for everybody to see this. I mean, the response that I've gotten and that, that Yana and Paul and I have received and Bill have received from this case getting dismissed has been massive. So people are starting to see the, the systematic abuses of people who question things, people who ask for help, people who literally ask for help. And then the people that you ask for help are part of the abuse circle. And yeah, it's not just about Mark. It's the whole entire STEM. It's the academia, the, the hierarchy and science. I mean, you name it, there's the problem. So this needs to get torn down and people need to be respected and treated with a little bit of dignity because that's one thing we haven't seen in Flint. Um, we've been the poster child for so many things, but yet we aren't getting the help we need because people are still running with the sound bites from people who have interests in covering up what's actually happening. So thank you, Jordan, for sticking with us all these years. You're like one of my best friends at this point, I swear, because, you know, when the people I talk to and who listen to me and actually believe the residents, which we don't get very often, people are like, oh, you just want something for free. You're just a poor person. You're just a minority. So blah, 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 this and that. When no, we're a poison person that's fighting to fix Flint, but also fighting to make sure it doesn't happen to your family, too. So the documentary is extremely important. Please watch it and please help us. Please reach out. Please, please help lift up our voices and our demand and our fight as hard as it has been <laughs> for truth and and for clean and safe water. I paid $278 this month for my water bill. I mean, I just want it to not be unsafe. I mean, that's that's not asking too much, I don't think. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's April 25th is five years that we've been dealing with this. And um, I think it's like 1,794 days today. That's a lot of days. So we want this to be over and we want the truth to be out and we want people held accountable, but we just want to be fixed and we don't want to see this happen to you. And by the way, and this is kind of a, a more general statement for journalists, but maybe Mark Edwards too. It's not even about whether you believe, whether I believe Melissa or not. It's not even about whether a journalist is predisposed to believe the residents. I've been there 13 times. I've knocked on a hell of a lot of doors. I've seen it with my own eyes. So when you make declarations from Virginia or wherever you're making declarations, why don't you go there now? Why don't you see what's going on with your own eyes? Why don't you talk to residents now? That's why I know what I know. That's why I've reported what I've reported because I've been there in large part because of the viewers funding me to do so. And the documentary is we wouldn't have a documentary if we're not getting funded from viewers. So it's that's the problem with the media, which I don't have time for. Stop breathlessly regurgitating what the EPA feeds you or the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality feeds you. This goes beyond Michigan because in every commu every state, they just the media just reports whatever these agencies are saying. A lot of these agencies have motive to find lower numbers to cover it up. So thank you. We'll talk more uh, closer to the five-year anniversary, and I'm glad you have this uh, really unnecessary thing <laughs> off your shoulders. Thank you. All right, take care. 
Hope you enjoyed that interview with Melissa, who I'm sure I'll be talking to closer to the five-year anniversary date of the Flint water crisis, which is at the end of April. Uh, obviously, we talked about a lot. I wanted to be fair, uh, give Dr. Edwards a chance to respond to uh, the dismissal of this lawsuit. Uh, before I get to his responses to me, I want to be, you know, full disclosure for the audience. Uh, in 2018, after I uh, learned that Dr. Edwards, in lectures and speeches he was giving around the country, uh, was making comments on my personal life, my attorney uh, sent him in Virginia Tech a cease and desist letter. Uh, we didn't sue or anything like that, but we did uh, issue a cease and desist letter, um, basically suggesting if he didn't stop, uh, we had, I would take uh, the option of suing. So I wanted you to have that information um, in our communication after this video. Uh, I did bring that up, and he did actually apologize. So just wanted you to have the uh, full disclosure that we had that communication last year where my attorney had reached out to Virginia Tech and um, Mark Edwards. So on to the specific points of this lawsuit, I asked Dr. Edwards uh, a lot of questions. Uh, some of them he answered, a lot of them he didn't. Uh, first, I said, when you say these issues won't be resolved in a courtroom anytime soon, are you alluding to taking your charges and accusations to a different body or, or some next step you plan on taking? Um, I didn't, I didn't get an answer to that. So I don't really know what that means. Um, I said, uh, what statements in this letter that was signed by 60 Flint residents, uh, including Melissa, uh, what statements are false? And if you're saying they're false, do you have any evidence? To be honest with you, he, he, he started answering my questions with questions of his own, which is often, uh, a case where you get from people who don't want to answer your questions. Um, he, he got into Shigella, uh, basically, which is a bacterial uh, disease that popped up in Flint and trying to make the case that things in the letter that were said uh, about him and, and basically things in the complaint letter that were attributing comments to him, he was basically saying he didn't say those things. Uh, I'm not going to get in that back and forth right now because honestly, this lawsuit wasn't primarily about uh, Shigella in Flint. Uh, so basically, in response to what I asked him, what is false, uh, he kept proposing questions to me and getting very focused on Shigella uh, and basically saying, uh, basically saying that in the complaint, uh, the comments and the charge that Mark Edwards was smearing Flint residents uh, about the Shigella illness and basically... Um, the residents who said he was saying things about their bathing habits or that they stopped bathing and leading that led to them getting Shigella, he was saying that that's not true and he didn't say that, essentially. Or, you know, they, they misinterpreted what he said. Uh, a courtroom is not the arbiter of that. And as the judge said, uh, this is a scientific debate. It, it, it's not something that should be brought as a lawsuit. Uh, that's basically the point the judge was making. Uh, I'm going to look further in to the Shigella issue and what was said by him versus reality and probably follow up in a written piece. But I also, uh, since he didn't really point out anything else specifically, I'll read a little bit from his blog, um, you know, just being fair to him. This is the Flint Water blog. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, this blog is used. Uh, it's a Virginia Tech blog. 
um, about Flint water issues, but most of the blog, if you actually read it, is attacking other uh, activists and residents in Flint and other researchers. He's attacked me before. Um, So, yeah, it's a blog that really focuses more on, um, you know, trying to defend Mark Edwards against people who question his science or behavior. Uh, So I'll read a little bit. Dr. Edwards' lawsuit regarding events in Flint that he alleged defamatory, uh, defamatory, I think he meant defamation, uh, was dismissed last week. The decision is a victory for uh, FATCHEP, which uh, FATCHEP is the Flint Area Community Health and Environment Partnership. Uh, So that was a group uh, that Sean McElmurray, the Wayne State University researcher, was involved with. Um, So he's saying the decision is a victory for FATCHEP and friends and their lawyer, Bill Moran. Uh, Oftentimes, the loser in such cases makes a desperate attempt to claim the glass is somewhat half full, but that would be dishonest. So we herein acknowledge the victors and turn our focus to the question, if what transpired was not illegal, was it ethical? Federal Judge Urbanski ruled that the Flint complaints letter signed by FATCHIP faculty Dr. Ben Pauley, Dr. Laura Sullivan, and their friend Dr. Yana uh, Lambrinidou used wording that achieved a dubious standard of being too hyperbolic to be trustworthy. The judge described the Flint complaints letter that these three FATCHIP and friendly PhD faculty endorsed as follows. The letter is replete with emotional and polemical language, rhetorical hyperbole, and unmistakable indicia of partisanship. Indeed, there's absolutely no pretense of objectivity and or disinterestedness, disinterestedness. The authors expressed their frustration with Edwards about a formal complaint he allegedly filed against a Wayne State University professor, Dr. McElmary. Uh, the judge is incorrect. It's not allegedly filed. He did file a complaint against Wayne State University professor, Dr. McElmary, which was actually just dismissed the same week that his lawsuit against Melissa and two others was dismissed. So it's not allegedly. He filed a complaint which was trying to get Ma- uh, Professor McElmary's license revoked, and that was also dismissed. Uh, quote, there is a def- definite and palpable current of exacerbation throughout the letter. The emphasis on the first-person tense, the sub-effect on the format, tone, and content of the letter is to make it unmistakably clear that its contents are of partisan character. Moreover, the exacerbated tenor, advocative style, and responsive posture would invariably lead a reasonable reader to expect something less than scrupulous factual accuracy. And Dr. Edwards goes on to talk about a post-truth world. So I think there's a few things that are important in what he said on that blog. Uh, Number one, yeah, most letters or petitions or, yeah, signature campaigns are generally of one side or quote-unquote partisan. Uh, I, I don't think anyone would call water a political issue, so I, I don't understand what that judge means. Uh, these are people, especially the 60 Flint residents who have been poisoned. Uh, and Dr. Edwards in the past has kind of uh, straddled the line because there's some researchers who have uh, tried to use other terms than poison that were, you know, less severe. But 
Um, I don't I don't particularly understand why a letter signed by residents making clear they were upset about Dr. Edwards's behaviors, communication style, um, and, and things that they perceived as unbecoming of a professional scientist and civil engineer, especially one that uh, has gotten a lot of grant money from the EPA and private foundations. I don't particularly see why that's shocking that that's quote unquote partisan or opinionated. Yeah, they have an opinion. They, they want Dr. Edwards to change his behavior. That's why they made this letter and signed the letter. Um, the judge, I'm going to be totally honest, I didn't read the full opinion, but the judge saying that doesn't mean their complaints are, are false. Secondly, you know, in second grade, right, you kind of learn. I remember there was like a little sheet of sheet and you had to decipher like which sentence is a fact and which one is an opinion. So, you know, when you file a defamation suit saying your character has been impugned and falsehoods are out there and it's libelous for in response to a letter with 60 Flint residents signing their name to it and many others non-Flint residents signing their name to it, that's clearly people's opinion. So people could have opinions and some of their opinion might be validated with facts. Some of them, some of them, they might be a little right, but wrong on some things, this and that. But if your response to people filing a letter, basically complaining about your behavior, in, at which many Flint residents I've spoken with have complained about Dr. Edwards' behavior being, as being uh, intimidating or harassing them. Uh, I don't mean in a, in a I mean in a, in a uh, verbal way. Um, or, you know, sending uh, berating communications. If your response to that is to then sue three people involved with the letter, you know, it, it almost justifies what they're saying. Uh, so basically, you know, he, he's not really pointing out anything in their letter that's false, like smoking gun, this is false. It's their opinion in dealing with him. So fact versus opinion, yeah, it's a letter complaining about your behavior. So of course it's opinion based, but that's not defamation. As the judge pointed out, by nature, it's, a, it's, first, it's protected First Amendment speech. That, that can't be defamation. Onward. He, he, he said numerous times that the letter against him was anonymous, meaning um, people, anonymous people put it up. But there's 60 Flint residents with their names signed to the letter. So I said, what exactly are you talking about when you claim this was an anonymous letter? Uh, his answer to me, if you could get me the names of the people who authored the Flint complaints letter, I would appreciate it. So I, I, I'm not being condescending. I just, I'm super confused because it literally took me 30 seconds. Flintcomplaints.com. You scroll down. Here are, here's the, here's the people who signed. There's all their names. Those are the Flint residents at the top, but here are the non-Flint residents. So... I don't know what he, I, I really don't know what he means. I mean, it's right there. They're, they're not anonymous. 
at all. Um, he also said to me, um, notice, notice I caught Ben Pauly secretly authoring a second letter about me signed by others. Is that called dishonesty in your world? Cowardice? They repeatedly said they were hiding who authored the first letter. And, and will, you reveal, will you reveal Bill Moran threatened to sue me for defamation by you? Yes, I will. I already did that at the beginning of this video. And then he said, come to Virginia Tech and I'll do the interview in person. So I don't really, I'm, A, I'm not going to Virginia Tech to interview him. I don't have the funding or the desire. But uh, I, I don't know, I don't know what notice I caught Ben Pauly secretly authoring a second letter about me signed by others. Is that called dishonesty in your world? Cowardice? I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what he's talking about. But again, he brought a lawsuit for $3 million against a poisoned Flint mother and two water activists who all three of them signed this letter. So I, because he thought people were being cowards? I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand. Like he kept answering my questions by proposing questions to me. But I don't understand what he's talking about as far as the second letter and, and all this and uh, cowardice. I mean, this is not why you bring a lawsuit, especially against somebody who has to take 18 medications just to function and live. Somebody who has totally lost the ability to move because her house is worth nothing because her house is in Flint and the water is still unsafe, which is a whole other issue that we're going to get to. So... I said, do you still stand by suing a mother who has been poisoned by her city's water and has serious health issues, along with her children have health issues, because of the water? Because she and others signed a letter voicing concerns over your methods. His answer, I sued nobody who simply signed the letter. Melissa left her metadata on the letter. If she had not done that, she would not have been named at all. I've repeatedly said that if the letter was true, I would have signed it myself. So I decided early on that I would not sue people who only signed the letter. Okay, well, factually, that's just not true. I mean, if you look at it, he did sue people who only signed the letter. Here's Paul Schwartz. Right there. He was one of the people Mark Edwards sued. He signed the letter. Here's Yana... Uh, Lam Lambrinadu, who signed the letter, who also works at Virginia Tech, and uh, I believe they taught an ethics class or something like that together in the past. So he did sue people who just signed the letter. I mean, if he wants to make some type of accusation that they were involved in not just signing the letter, but putting the letter together, let's say all that's true. Let's say Melissa and these two other people were involved with creating this letter. What exactly is the crime? What exactly is the crime? I mean, Dr. Edwards himself in the past has openly been a whistleblower against the EPA and bad practices at the EPA, along with bad pra practices at the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality. So I don't understand what the crime is. He's saying he's trying to distinguish. I only sued the person who he's saying came up with the letter or, or organized the letter. Well, why should that person be sued? Because you don't like her opinions? Because you don't like that she's doing this? 
because as the judge said, this letter is protected First Amendment speech. I mean, it, it's it's not very it's it's very black and white. And honestly, the suit probably would have dismissed earlier, but the government shutdown affected the courts too. So I don't. He's saying I only sued people. I didn't sue anyone who signed the letter. He did sue two people that signed the letter. Well, three. And if 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 that were the case, then he's saying I sued the person who came up with the letter. So you're basically. I mean, most common sense people would feel you're trying to silence the person or punish the person. So, uh, again, it doesn't really make any sense. Um, Then I asked him about, I I have emails in my possession uh, where Dr. Edwards is emailing with other people where I was mentioned and my reporting was mentioned. So I asked him about those things. Um, In one of those emails, which you saw, I said, you try to solicit information regarding me that could help you show an intent on Jordan's part to hurt my reputation or willingness to twist facts to do so. I mean, in English, he's trying to find something, apparently, to, to either add me to this lawsuit or to sue me separately. I don't know. So I said, at a time when journalists are under attack from politicians, corporations, and police, you know, are you concerned that... Examples like this make it seem like you, a civil engineer with over $2 million in federal taxpayer, like you, the taxpayer, grant money from the EPA, not to mention the grant money he's gotten from private foundations. Uh, Are you concerned that it gives off the appearance that you're targeting journalists who simply ask questions of you and for details about your research and testing? And, And full disclosure, I wrote a piece for Truth Dig last year that looked at his testing in Flint. And I mean, it was never challenged. He never challenged it publicly. There's no facts in there that have been challenged publicly. So what particularly, you know, I don't understand what, why he was looking for things to add me to it. I I had nothing to do with this letter. I didn't even cover this letter, actually. I never even did a video on this letter. So his answer, he didn't answer that. Uh, I said to him in another email, you seem to joke about the nature of your lawsuit against Melissa and the two water activists. Qu- quote, Yana and Melissa hired Jordan Chariton's lawyer. This is probably going to be a shit fest uh, because my attorney in some previous matters uh, also was uh, Melissa's attorney. Uh, but I, I wasn't part of the case. You know, that, that was just um, he's a good attorney. So I said, do you understand why statements like this make it seem like this wasn't a serious legal challenge, but instead like an attempt to pick a fight against an average citizen who simply asks questions of you. And that average citizen does not have the money or the power you have. Um, He didn't answer that question. Uh, In another email, you talk about a report that I published last year. Uh, At the time of this email, uh, the report was not out yet. Um, That report, if you remember, uh, Jen and I had knocked on 450 doors uh, last summer and fall in Flint. And we found that at least 35 homes that were on the state of Michigan Sentinel program. The Sentinel program was the official testing group that the state of Michigan used, uh, started in late 2015, early 2016. And they were going to continually 
test these homes uh, for lead and copper, obviously because the water crisis happened. And these homes that they continually tested, uh, if the water, if the lead levels in the water was going down, then Flint uh, could say, and the state could say, we are meeting the EPA's regulation. Uh, the EPA's regulation for lead in water is 15 parts per billion. So anything at 15 or higher, action needs to be taken. So we found that in at least 35 homes, they manipulated the testing. Uh, state of Michigan officials from the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, as well as CORE officials. CORE was a community program of Flint residents that went around, was supposed to be going around um, applying filters on people's um, water, making sure residents had all the resources they needed as far as the water filters and other things. Um, we found that not only were state officials from the Department of Environmental Quality, but CORE workers were also going around. Um, and testing people's water, but flushing their lines right before taking the lead and copper sample, which is totally against the EPA's lead and copper rule. You're supposed to have the water be totally motionless, not be used for at least six hours, and then the sample's supposed to be taken as a first draw, which just means the tap, as soon as you turn the tap on, put that sample bottle under. Uh, because if you let the water run, you could be flushing out lead, which you're gonna get a lower number, which isn't the real number. Uh, so we found, uh, we, we interviewed, uh, I think we spoke with 150 residents, knocked on more doors, but actually spoke with 150 residents on, on the state program. And we found 35 of those residents uh, had either state officials come into their home and do this uh, improper testing, or the state officials didn't go into their home and, and improperly test, but verbally told them, yeah, flush your water before testing. We actually we also found in some cases they were they they were putting homes on the official state testing program that had full filtration systems in the home. I met one uh, priest who had a full filtration system in the home. So the, the water was supposed to be tested without a filter. This home had a full filtration system. And this was part of the data. All of this was part of the data that the state of Michigan used in April of 2018 to say Flint's water is now, quote, restored, and that's when they shut down the free water distribution centers and basically declared mission accomplished. So Mark Edwards, um, I, I, in an email that I have in my possession, um, he writes, yeah, a reporter from the New York Times contacted me Friday, and I had her reach out to Sue Mastin as well over the weekend. So let me, let me give you the context. Uh, as you'll see in the documentary, The Flushing of Flint, that we are releasing next month. It is our first documentary at Status Quo. We're going to release it probably the same week as the five-year anniversary. Uh, you'll see this in the documentary. But I, uh, was trying to get, I was trying to get this story published in, in big outlets. This is a big environmental scandal. You know, they, they, they manipulated the testing. So I had contacted the New York Times. I didn't give them the whole story, but I gave them some key things that I had found. So the New York Times responds to me, oh, we have reporters in Chicago and the Midwest area, and we kind of check in on Flint. So if we were going to do something like this, we'd do it with our own reporters. Okay, I, I offered them to share the byline, like one of their reporters' name could be first and me second, even though it was our story. Uh, uh, me and Jen, second and third, I mean. So um, then I find out that a New York Times reporter had called uh, Melissa, because uh, Melissa is one of the leading activists and really citizen experts on water and lead. She's been quoted throughout the national media. Media outlets have gone to her time and time again uh, on the Flint water crisis. 
So that reporter called Melissa, basically based on my pitch, uh, saying, hey, do you know anything about uh, improper testing in Flint? So Melissa said, yeah, I do, and said, but you're going to have to talk to the investigative reporter, Jordan Sheridan, because he's been doing the legwork. So she was basically saying, like, yeah, I'm not going to give you the story. Like, it's Jordan's and Jen's story. So I guess the New York Times, instead of contacting me again, contacted Mark Edwards, who, let me be clear, had nothing to do with the story. His name's not even mentioned in our final piece. Um, he didn't know anything about what we were doing. He didn't know what we had found. Nothing. So zero. He might have expertise on some things, but had no knowledge of what we were doing. Probably didn't even know we were knocking on this many doors. What residents were telling us, what paperwork we had, nothing. So in this email, he says, yeah, a reporter from the New York Times contacted me Friday, and I had her reach out to Sue Mastin as well over the weekend. So I said to him, oh, by the way, Sue Mastin is another person who had nothing to do with our reporting or story. She is an, you know, proclaimed to be an independent uh, water researcher who did her own set of testing in Flint. So Mark Edwards, who didn't know anything about my reporting, uh, sent the New York Times to Sue Mastin, who, again, she didn't know anything about my reporting, and neither of them were, had anything. Uh, our report focused on the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality's two-year testing, not Dr. Edwards' testing, not Sue Mastin's testing. So I said to Dr. Edwards, you know, you who had no knowledge of my reporting on this story, what evidence I had found of anything else seemed to, from this email, wave off the New York Times to the potential testing violations of the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality that I was finding and had them speak with a third party individual, Sue Mastin, who had nothing to do with Michigan Department of Environmental testing that I and Jen, were, Jen and I were investigating. So I said to him straight up, it appears you went out of your way to undermine my reporting and make sure an outlet like the New York Times wouldn't look into it. Why would you, a publicly funded civil engineer, attempt to comment to the New York Times or any media outlet on information you were not privy to and had no knowledge on? So his response to me was, but where is your evidence that flushing ever happened for the lead and copper rule samples in Flint? I never saw that. Specifically, show me some instruction that tell residents to flush. All residents are given written instruction on what to do. With a few noteworthy exceptions, residents do generally follow written instructions. So, I mean, I don't know what to think other than he clearly did not read the story that Jen and I released. Because, I mean, if you read our story, which has Aaron Brockovich on the record, has Congressman Dan Kildee, who represents Flint on the record, has Mayor of Flint Karen Weaver on the record, has State Senator Jim Ananak on the record, has plumbers on the record, has residents on the record, has paperwork right here showing the difference between uh, Michigan Department of Environmental Quality's testing right here in one woman's home that they flushed the water for several minutes before testing and got a low level two parts per billion compared to the EPA who came into the same woman's home two months later, tested the same kitchen sink that found low levels 
two months earlier and found 85 parts per billion. So how is it that the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, right here, went into this resident's home, Nakia Wicks, who, like 34 other residents, is on the record with status quo. We spoke with them. We have the tapes saying, yeah, my kids and I were standing right there. They ran the water for two minutes and then put the sample bottle in. There's the number, two parts per billion. There you go. EPA went in two months later. Presumably, they didn't flush. They tested the same kitchen sink, 85 parts per billion. That's just one example. It's a lot of other information packed in that story. So when he says, where is your information for this? Benefit of the doubt, maybe he never read the story. I really don't know. So, you know, to be clear, Mark Edwards is not responsible completely if the New York Times doesn't do their due diligence or if the New York Times tries to basically, like, steal, my, steal Jen and my story. But to essentially, as a, as, a, as a scientist, science is about being exact or as close to exact as you can be. To comment on something you have no knowledge on to basically steer the largest news outlet in on planet Earth away from one of the biggest environmental scandals potentially of this century is highly, highly irresponsible. Um, so I responded to him, what do you mean, where's the evidence? I, we spoke with 450, well, excuse me, we knocked on 450 doors. We spoke with 150 residents. We have paperwork. I said, do you think that all of these residents are just imagining ghosts from the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality or core officials coming into their home and improperly testing their water or running their water first before taking the sample? Do you think they're just imagining verbally being told, yeah, let your water run? You don't have to imagine, Dr. Edwards, because a lot of those interviews are in the documentary we're going to release next month on video. So either you think these people are all hallucinating and lying or something really criminal went on and you waved off the New York Times from taking action. Actually, to tell you the truth, all of that is not why I interviewed Melissa. I interviewed Melissa because the mainstream media, by and large, has not covered the fact that a publicly funded, publicly funded taxpayer money, you, taxpayer, sued a mother and two water activists essentially because they created a letter or, or wrote a letter or signed a letter complaining about his ethics and behavior. I, I think that should be covered. I, I think that's pretty newsworthy and problematic, to tell you the truth. So, yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. Where is the evidence? The evidence is in my story. And for you, the viewer, um, without getting into full details, apparently the Attorney General of Michigan's office thinks there's evidence because we met in person in Lansing, the capital, in February. And we've spoken since via phone. So apparently... Do you really think the Attorney General's Office of Michigan is meeting with me? If I didn't already provide them a lot of the evidence first, you think they just meet with anyone off the street who claims that they have evidence uh, of environmental crimes? Lastly, uh, in one email, um, Dr. Mark Edwards acknowledges that if this flushing happened, if flushing happened, 
he phrased it to manipulate it like that. So I simply asked him, for the record, based on what you said in the email, you're acknowledging that if Michigan Department of Environmental Quality officials were involved with flushing residents' water lines, residents who were on the official state testing program before collecting the lead and copper samples, that would be manipulating the data, correct? Didn't answer. So he did not answer me on, after I told him the evidence of our story, he didn't respond. And he didn't respond as far as whether he's acknowledging that that is manipulating the testing and the data. So that's basically it. I think Melissa's comments and our interview speaks for itself. I think Dr. Edwards' answers, or frankly lack thereof, speak for themselves. Um, Tell you the truth, I've never met Mark Edwards. I don't know him from a hole in the wall, uh, but I have been to Flint 13 times. At this point, over two and a half years, I've probably spoken with a couple hundred residents, many on the record, on camera, many off. And his name kept popping up pretty much since the beginning of me going there. Um, and not in a good way. So, you know, um, he could do what he wants to do, obviously. Uh, I think that it's clear. I just showed you the email. Um, he's looking for ways to take legal action against critics. Um, I don't view myself as a Mark Edwards critic. I view myself as a journalist. My main focus is not Mark Edwards. My main focus is not going after Mark Edwards. My main focus is making sure that the water that people are consuming in Flint, many of whom I consider friends now, I've been there so often and I care about these people. And even if I didn't, even if I wasn't friends with them, my main focus is making sure that people are drinking clean water. There's, there's so many ways, you know, in life, you could do everything right. You could work out seven days a week and eat healthy and still get sick. But then there's decisions made by the government that make you sick. And I believe, based on my reporting, that it is not fully clear if the water is 100% clean bill of health for people to drink in Flint. Why? because the testing program that was used to declare it safe had testing. I, I don't know about the whole group because I only knocked on 450 doors and spoke with 150 residents, but there was definitely a good chunk of that testing and those samples that were doctored and manipulated. And that, I, I would hope Dr. Edwards would say, is a scandal that needs to be investigated. As Aaron Brockovich said in the story that Mark Edwards says, where's the evidence? Well, read the story. Aaron Brockovich said, it is a crime what we found. Aaron Brockovich said, people should be prosecuted. Aaron Brockovich said, all of the testing should be thrown out. To be clear, this is separate from the testing Mark Edwards did uh, and Sue Mastin did because their testing is not even, I didn't look at their testing in this story. I don't have any evidence that they doctored anything. So to be clear, there's no evidence of that. I'm not accusing them of anything like that. I have looked at Dr. Edward's science. I don't think it's adequate. I don't think his sample size is adequate. I don't think he verified. He, he, I mean, it's already out there. I did this report last year too. He didn't even verify the homes that he was using uh, in his study that even if they had lead service lines, which is a whole different story because, you know, obviously you want... The EPA mandates you have to test the most at-risk homes for lead. Well, the most at-risk homes would be homes connected to lead service lines. So 
Bottom line, uh, I'll continue to follow this story if there's more to it. Uh, I might do a written piece to go with this, uh, and you know, keep Flint in your in your keep Flint in your mind and your hearts. Uh, our documentary will come out next month. Uh, it's coming out free and first. We're going to release it first and free for our Status Coup members. So you know the drill: StatusCoup.com/join. Uh, and uh, we're also going to make sure Flint residents uh, get it first and free. Thanks for watching.